good evening and welcome to another edition of the Guna Ramble, a Guna's World podcast with the um, trio of uh, Leo, Inchi and myself, joined by our newbie, Mr. Callum from the Guna's World. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, Inch has been away for the past week or so, sunning himself, so have you got a proper tan or a permatan, mate? I didn't get much of one actually. No. Um, there was no sunbathing, so I was just sightseeing and taking photos. And yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm the same pasty, horrible colour I was when I left, really. <laughs> Good stuff. And uh, Leo, how's your week been? All right. How's the girls? Uh been a busy week. I had a three-one loss on Wednesday night. Bummer. Damn. Alright, well, okay, let's get on with it. Um, we'll review the, uh, cup game in the week with, uh, West Bromwich Albion. What did you guys make of the performance of the kids? Callum, let's start with you, mate. I actually thought it wasn't that bad. Um, when you consider that we're playing, a, a you know, the, especially the, the, the attacking section of the team was pretty much a C team. And, um, yeah, I thought we did okay. I think the, the important thing was to, if we're going to rest all these players, was just to win the game with, um, with guys like Eisfeld and Rio and, and Nabry starting. I think they did all right. I don't think they, you know, they didn't uh, set the world on fire. But, you know, West Brom are a good Premier League team. Even their B team had, you know, a lot of internationals in there. So just the fact that we won the game and that the uh, the, the kids um, didn't seem particularly phased by it was, was a pretty positive thing in my eyes. Cool. Leo? Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to actually watch the game, but as Colin was saying, it's, you know, the important part is that we advanced. You know, we got a tough opponent in the second round again, or, well, I guess it's, what, the fourth round now? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the important part is that we're still alive and we're still playing another day. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, I didn't think the performance was, I don't think anyone sort of stood out that much. But like you say, uh, Cal, it was against a pretty strong outfit um, and we were playing... We've, especially in the second half and extra time, we were playing with a lot of kids. Um, and the fact is they won. They were resilient. They showed a lot of nerve stepping up to the plate, scoring the penalties and whatnot. And they got another shot at it. Whether they play Mourinho's first team, second team or youth team is, remains to be seen in the next round. But um, it can only be good for them, you know. Well, Mourinho said um, today, I think, that he, he's planning on playing the under-21s or the kids Yeah. Um, at the Emirates. But... I mean, their squad's so so deep that even their kids could be a pretty formidable side. Yeah. So, and, and the thing is, you never know with that guy. You don't know whether, what, if he's telling the truth or not. Do you know what I mean? So, have they still got that Gail Kakuta guy? Is that his name? Yeah. I, 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 unbelievable I, guy, didn't they? Yeah. Well, he was supposed to be, and Josh McEachran and all that. But I think they've kind of dropped off right away, side, haven't they? Well, McEachran's gone to Watford, I think. Mm-hmm. He played um, against Norwich the other night and. I don't know where Kakuta is. He he was the one they got in um in trouble with, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. Since he doesn't seem worth it in hindsight, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, we'll see. But um, yeah. Um, what did you guys? What did you make of uh, Bentner's performance in Cal? Um, I actually think it wasn't that bad. You know, I would have loved him to come and and score a hat trick or something like that. But mm. that was always going to be unrealistic. You know, I think he um he played like someone who hadn't played a you know a, a competitive game for a long time. And um, so I think, you know, he was quite sloppy and, you know, you know, the way he is, people are always going to be on his back, you know, perhaps for a good reason because of his attitude in the past. But, you know, when you look at the stats at the end, you know, he got a a very good assist for um, Eisfeld's goal. He had the balls to go and and, and take that first penalty, which I think was quite important. You know, the kids could then follow up and two out of three of them scored at least anyway. But um, yeah, I think he played pretty much as as I expected him to. You know, he, he was a bit sloppy and a bit. He looked um, um, you know, he lacked match fitness. But you know, he got an assist. He he seemed to do okay. And um, you know, after the game, he seemed quite humble and happy to be back. So yeah, I think it was quite a positive performance in the end. True. I mean, I'm not his biggest fan. Never, never really have been. But um, yeah, after so long out and um. You know, coming back his first game, but yeah, you can't really. I mean, he had that chance when he was one and one. Yeah, he, a match fit player probably would have got the shot away. But yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. we got through. He's probably just forgotten what it's like to be in front of goal again. But um, I think it's uh, you know, it's clear that you know he doesn't really want to be at be at Arsenal, and and you know, I don't think the fans or you know anyone else really wants him to be here either. But 
you know, I think it's important that we um, all parties make the best of a of a bad situation, really. And you know, even even if he's just working hard and playing well, just to get himself in the shot window, you know, if he gives us a bit of cover until January at least, until maybe we can bring in a new striker, or even if you know Sonogo comes becomes half decent and back from injury, but. Yeah, if if he if he um he's he's made all the right signals I think since he's been back you know he um he, he seems to have got his head down and and I think I'm I'm guessing Wenger's probably put an arm around him and said you know you need to this is a good chance for you to you know you know reclaim some support from the fans and so far I think he's um he's shown signs that he's willing to do that. Yeah, um, another player that um, didn't have a great game but will probably be I mean be called upon in the next couple of weeks is Rio. Um, he's not really like we was discussing last week, Leo. Um, he's probably benefited from not being at the club, you know, going on loan and you know to a different country and playing in the Premiership and, and the Championship. But um, on Tuesday night, sorry, was it Wednesday night? He, I think, he was a bit off colour. I, I going into this weekend's games, I would rather I'd feel a lot safer with Nabry playing on the wing than Rio. I think Rio still needs a bit of time to sort of adjust to the way uh, we play in the Premiership. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Um, you know, having seen him at Bolton a little bit at the end of the, uh, what was that, 2012 season, uh, you know, he sometimes seemed to kind of go missing during games. Um, and, you know, Nabry, same kind of, I mean, He's so young and haven't really gotten a good chance to see him, but from what I've seen so far, he seems a little bit more comfortable out there, a little more influential. Uh, so going into this weekend, you know, I guess it's going to come down to who the manager decides is best fit for the matchup, but, you know, I'm kind of leaning towards Nobry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inch, what do you think? Do you think, um, I know you haven't really seen a lot of uh, Ryo or Nobry, but um, going on what you've heard, what, what, what kind of assessment? could you give? Well, I, I saw bits of them. Um, I tried to uh, download the entire uh, West Brom game, mm. but um, the flipping Arsenal website wasn't working, so mm-hmm. I could only see the extended highlights. Yeah. Um, and um, I didn't see Rio do that much in there. You know, mm. you, you kind of, even though he's very young, you kind of think that because we got him for a reason and we're persisting with him, he must have some skills. So you expect him to show a bit of pace, um, burst a pace down the wings and then put a cross in and maybe a bit of dribbling on the way, you know, but, um, and he did that to an extent, but he didn't exactly blow anyone away. Yeah. But, you know, as you said, you saw the whole thing and nobody was that outstanding. Yeah. So it's the usual thing with kids, you know, give them time, uh, wait for them to build up their confidence and then maybe you'll see glimpses of, of what they can really do. But yeah. I thought he was, um, from, from the bits I saw, he was okay. And when he's come on before, didn't we brought him on uh, Premier League games, haven't we, the yeah. other day, like the last yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and he hasn't done anything in that time mm. um, because it was too short, wasn't yeah. it? But, um, you know, when you talk about Nabri or Gnabry or whatever the fuck you say, mm-hmm. um, he's, um, <laughs> I thought he played a little bit within himself, um, you know, when he was, uh, was, it, was it against Stoke? The yeah, day? yeah. Uh, yeah, he had to start in in place of Theo. Actual notice, yeah. Because he because he suddenly had this uh, late injury, mm-hmm. and it's a great opportunity to really show his skills. But I thought he was, you know, a bit timid compared to what we've seen him do in pre-season. You know, he's he's very much like um, an Oxlade Chamberlain. Mm. But even beefier around, yeah. you know, the top half. So he's got that strength where he can lean on players. Mm. But I expected him to do what the Ox does. And just like I said with Rio, a bit of a burst of pace, a little dribble. Mm. You know, he's got a fierce shot on him. But we didn't really see much of that. And I thought that against Stoke, he spent a lot of the time just passing sideways, easy passing, making sure he didn't make a mistake mm. and not sort of, um, you know, as Wenger would say, playing with a handbrake on. Because yeah. you know, he, he didn't want to cock up, so he just did the easy thing most of the time. Yeah. But what what I know he can do, because I've seen him in under twenty ones or whatever, is actually um, dribble round several players mm. and then fire off a cracking shot. Yeah. But he didn't do any of that. I think maybe it was just the fact that he was suddenly thrown in the deep end. The pressure was too much. I don't know, but he seemed a bit nervous to me. Mm. Well, I, I went down to the game on Sunday, um, and before going any further, I've got a. 
Um, show my appreciation to Annabelle staff and Kem who sorted me out a ticket, me and my cousin out a ticket for Sunday's game. Um, many thanks to them. But yeah, um, it started off very nervously. Um, but as the game wore on, as I was saying to Leo, he sort of came into it a bit more. I think whether he was under instructions to play it safe, don't do anything, you know, outlandish or outrageous, I don't know. Maybe, um, because you you know he's got the pace to go past people and the tricks and whatnot. Um, but maybe, you know, he was a bit nervous. But I think as, as the game wore on, he, he sort of became more and more comfortable with his role. You know, I think if, if he does get a chance going forward for the next few weeks, hopefully we'll start to see more of what he can do. Because I know in the reserves, and I think he's in under-21 game recently, he's, he's, did he score a double Callum or something like that? And then he scored for Germany under Oh, I, I, I don't follow it particularly um, strenuously, the, uh, the under-21s. But from what I've heard, he's been one of the most impressive players you've had at that level. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's important to remember how much of a jump up it is from... From from that level to you know playing in front of sixty thousand people against Stoke, which is a big game. Um, so I think you know, understandably, when you learn, I don't know, half an hour before you're going to come on um, in place of Theo Walcott, that you're only eighteen years old, you, you, you're probably going to, if you get the ball and, and you you have a chance to run at your left back, you're probably more likely to pass it, make the easy pass than than risk losing the ball. But I think over the the Stoke game, where you could even see in the second half, you know, he came in at one point and had a shot on his left foot, which you know. You know, it's pretty impressive the fact he even tried that. And against West Brom, he did seem more willing to um, to try more things. So, you know, I mean, it looks like that with you know with all our wide men out, um, he's going to be starting the next few games, um, which is perhaps a little bit worrying against the likes of Napoli. But mm. I think he's got talent, and I I think the more the more minutes he gets, the more comfortable he's going to be. You know, the more you know, the more likely we are to see the kind of form that he's put in at under-21 level. Yeah. Um, and I also, I would say that I would prefer him to Rio, I think, because he, even though he's, he's shorter, he, he, he seems more stocky and more willing to, um, you know, he's more adept physically in, in the Premier League than perhaps Rio is. So, you know, I think it's it's an, as a as with the Bentner situation, it's an, an imperfect one. The fact we're having to play this 18-year-old kid in a very important part of our season with some big games. But, you know, it might be um, it might be a silver lining, and he might just have a bit of a breakthrough and actually become quite a big player for us. But uh, time will. I, I would expect him to, as as the more game time he gets, to become better and better. But um, it might be a bit too early for him. Yeah, I'm just going just quickly. Um, I looked on the forum today, and um, Arsenal fanatic started a thread about you know basically the, there's a cause for concern of these young with the youngsters, and you know they won't make it and so on and so forth and I just went on and I said look chances are 99% of them won't make it but with academies how I see it if you get one coming through every three or four years then it's a success to get what Ferguson got in 90 you know when he got the Fergie's fledglings and whatnot that's a one-off that's once a generation I think you know I think you only, yeah you, I agree you only get one crop out every 10 years or so and you know, so to expect all these kids to, I think people, they, they, they put so much expectation on these kids, you know, maybe, maybe because of Wenger's, you know, youth, uh, philosophy and so on and so forth. People see these kids and they expect every crop that comes through it every season to, to make it or to be world beaters. And if they don't show that sort of form, then they're shit. Let's get rid of them. Oh, fucking hell, you know, it's another crop that we've got to do away with and so on and so forth. And I just think it's just unrealistic. The expectations. Um, that some people have. What do you think, Inch? I think um, I agree with you. I think it's bollocks because, um, you know, if you look at our current squad now, you got Jack, you got Rambo, you got Theo, you got Gibbs, you got Jenkinson. These are all British young players that have come through our youth system, some, obviously some more than others, you know, like Jack's been with us since he was nine years old, for Christ's sake, and, and so has Gibbs, whereas Ramsey we bought in, but they, we, they still started with us at a very young age, and we nurtured them up to what they are now, so um, I don't think that people can uh, say that our youth system is a failure. When you look at how many of these players I just mentioned are regular starters, you know, all of them bar Jenkinson have started every game, haven't they, um, yep. this season. Um, so I don't I don't see why people, um, how people can complain. And because we've got that, 
you know, uh, British core that, that we sort of developed ourselves. We don't actually need another one for like another eight years until they yeah. not retired, do we? So yeah. we don't need to have a, an amazing youth player come through the system every single season, do we? Mm. You know, mm. it, it'd be great if we could have the same record as, as Barcelona, yeah. but you know, nobody does. Um, but you know, it, we've been a bit sport in the past. You know, we're talking about West Bromwich Albion not playing that well, but getting the win. In the past, like we've had youth teams that have absolutely battered Premier League yeah. teams, like you know, West Brom. I remember West Brom. We so beat West Brom. So we've been Brom. a bit spoiled, yeah. And, yeah. and they're not doing it now. So maybe people feel a bit deflated, and we let twenty of them go in the summer, etc., etc. Mm. But um, I don't think you have an FA Youth Cup winning team. You know, you're never going to have that every season because they grow up so quickly. They go, they disappear. So if you win the FA Youth Cup one season, you're not going to win it the next season with a completely different crop of players, are you? Mm -hmm. Leo? Yeah, I tend to agree with both of you guys. I mean, there's, it's unrealistic to think that you're going to get, you know, a half dozen guys every year or two from your youth program. And, you know, if you got a 10% success rate with kids that are going into the program and then coming out playing Premier League ball, that's, pretty impressive mm -hmm. you know not too many clubs can say they even come close to that kind of record and uh over the last few years i think we probably have um struggle to think of any other clubs that have had it you know more success than arsenal in developing youth you know and the ones that have haven't beaten us by you know a very sizable margin by any means well certainly the the the, the, the top clubs don't really i mean maybe tottenham i suppose you could say sort of you know, they've got a couple of players coming through into their first team, but, you know, certainly Man United haven't been lucky. I mean, they've gone out and brought, uh, brought in Nick Powell and, you know, Chris Smalling and Phil Jones and whatnot to bolster up their, um, their youth ranks. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy job. You know, you don't just make, wave a magic wand and, hey, presto, you get six boys coming through just like that, but, you know, um, I suppose You're calling Tottenham a top club. Well, I know, I know, that's a controversial... <laughs> Wash your mouth out, boy. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, the fact is that our, our, our youth kids, uh, our, our ex-youth kids, are, are, are playing all over the Premier League mm -hmm. and all over the Championship. I think we've got more ex-kids, you know, peppered all over the leagues than anyone else, mm. you know... Um, you know, they're playing for, for Middlesbrough and Bolton and all over the place, you know, and, uh, you know, there's Bentley and Ali Adier and then Jermaine Pennant came on against Stoke. I mean, they're all over the place. Um, you know, Matthew Upson, every, almost every time, I was talking to, to the missus about this the other day, almost every game that we play in the league, there is some Arsenal link in the opposition, mm. either an ex-player or, or some other connection. Mm. And um, as you say, I don't think you say that about many clubs. Fair mm. point. I think people tend to discount those players when they leave and just forget about them and don't really give the Arsenal youth program the credit that they deserve for developing that talent just because they've left the club. Hmm. But if they're still playing in the Premier League, right. you can't say that they've failed, can you? No. you know, they may not be good enough for Arsenal, but they're good enough for a top 10 club, then, you know, we, we've done our job, you know, to yeah. an extent. What do you reckon, Cal, yeah? Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. I think a lot of people sometimes lose perspective about, you know, quite how difficult it is to, to not only break into a, you know, play regularly for a Premier League side, but to come in to a, a Champions League side like Arsenal or, you know, even the other big clubs, because they're all going to have, you know, big squads full of international footballers. So it's not a case of just being able to play regular Premier League football. It's, it's such a high standard. And I think with, um, you know, I'd love it if in, in 10 years, you know, our, our first team had, Bellerin at right back and Akpom up front and Miachi on the left. But, you know, realistically, if you have, even if you have huge numbers of 20 or 30 of these players that ranging from, you know, becoming no, you know, just nobodies to perhaps at the top end of that, some good Premier League players. If you go through all those and don't, and you only find perhaps one Jack Wilshire, I mean, it's worth it because, you know, we, we all hope that Jack Wilshire will become one of the best players in his position in the world and we would have got him for free, you know. So I think um, just the, the, at the moment for the fact we have um, Gibbs and Wilshire who came through the youth teams playing regular first team football for us and then you throw in the names like Oxlade-Chamberlain and Walcott and Jenkinson and Ramsey, all these kids who, you know, yes, they you know they started off at other clubs that we brought them in young. I think it's fantastic. I don't think there's really many other top clubs that, that do it as well as we do. Mm. And I think, yeah, if in 10 years we've got 
uh, you know, another two players like we have Wilshire and Gibbs out of this current crop or some kids, who, you know, even younger kids at the moment, then it would all be worthwhile, I think. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. Um, moving on. Um, just this week, um, or yesterday, or today even, uh, Stan Kroenke, um, uh, made comments in the, 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 the Tory graph and the Daily Mirror saying that basically Wenger's here for life, basically. He's got no intention of letting him leave. Um, he's doing a grand job. And, um, yeah, all is well in as far as he's concerned. Since, and I know I've, I've mentioned this nearly probably every podcast, but since we've signed Ozil, it seems that everything that went before is null and void. We're, we're starting from a new slate. Um, all the issues and the isms and schisms and the doubts and the winger outs, um, you know, they've all sort of, well, to an extent, kind of been, you know, drowned out by this whole kind of feel good factor. And now people are saying, well, you know, giving him a new contract, maybe he's not such a bad idea, you know, we can work with it. What do you think to that inch? Well, um, you know, we talked about this the other day, didn't we? The, yeah. The AST wrote that letter saying, um, it would be uh, inappropriate to extend his contract, but you know uh, they did it before the transfer window closed. So uh, you know that's the most public knee jerk of all time, isn't mm. it? You know, um, I'm always warning against knee jerk. Uh, they waited for quite a lot of the transfer window, and then they thought, uh, well, it's clearly nothing's going to happen. So they wrote that letter, and, and now they look a little bit silly. But I just wonder if they still believe it's inappropriate to renew his contract, or whether they are happy now because he's finally put. His, his hand in his pocket um, it's a difficult one isn't it because I think most intelligent gooners can see that we still need a couple of players but um, and so they're not getting carried away by Ozil but at the same time you know this is the, the biggest purchase in the Premier League you can't possibly say that he hasn't done what the fans want um, and he hasn't done what the team wants mm. um, because that's what the squad needed that's what we got you know this whole squad is lifted it'll carry us uh, through quite a lot of games, you know, and the buoyancy of the squad is crucial. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I think if if you're a hater, then there's not much that he, he can do that will make you change your mind. People get very set in their ways. But if you're somebody that was getting pissed off with him and wanted him out, um, but not a hardcore hater, then maybe there's more room for you to change your mind. Mm. So the fans, you know, I think most fans at the moment are, are very happy with the current scenario um, and um, happy with the business we did in the transfer window, happy with the current performance, happy to be top of the league. So, you know, in that kind of, uh, you know, they will say a week's a long time in football, but in this kind of moment, you know, you can't see a, a big reason not to, to renew it. But... Um, I think I always think that the end of the season is the best time because mm. at the end of the season, if we finish in the top two, maybe win a pot as well, then Christ's sake, yeah, you know, sign him up. Mm. But you know, if we have another trophy of the season, we finish fourth again, despite uh, buying the players we bought, then you know, then you might sort of think twice about the contract. So it's a funny time, isn't it? Because it's, it all seems to be happening very early in the season. Mm. Definitely, Leo, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think much the same. I don't understand the point to get, you know, everything done in the fall, and there's no reason to rush it now. We might as well wait and see where we're at, and, you know, at the earliest, maybe start getting the, you know, back office deal done in, you know, January, so he's ready to sign at the end of the season. But, you know, there's so much soccer left to be played that I don't see why we need to do it now. I mean, everything's definitely got gotten off on the right foot. Uh, this last summer was, you know, the type of transfer window that I've been hoping for for years. You know, I'm not asking them to go out and spend 120 million a year, but, you know, reinvesting into the playing squad for the first time, you know, as a net spend in close to a decade, you know, that's all I've really been, all I've been wanting. So right now I'm happy. Let's see where we're at in January, February, March, though. Mm. Cal, let me ask you, um, what do you think of um, Cronkay's decision not to interfere with the running of the club? He said he's still interested, he's really interested, but um, he's, he, he's, he's basically left um, Wenger with basically 
complete control of how how he spends the money and if he spends the money and, and 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 so on and so forth. What's your take on that? Well, I think from a completely objective point of view. So if we kind of if we ignore what we want Wenger to do, it makes sense. I mean, because he's obviously come in as a a businessman who knows perhaps not an awful lot about football, and Wenger is you know one of the best managers in the world. So it would make sense that he leaves you know the football men to do the football. Um, but obviously with the way, well, until this summer really, there's been a lot of pressure on him to spend and perhaps it would have been nice to see Kronke, you know, uh, try and push him to spend more, which he says he has done. I don't know. And But really with all his, I think kind of with what you're saying, it's convenient when he's coming out and, and saying all this. I mean, in the same way that you hear Usmanov kind of speak up every time we're going through a bit of a lull, a bit of a mini crisis, you know, it's it's only at this point when we've, spent £42 million and top of the league and won seven, eight games on the bounce that he comes out and, and speaks. So I think he's still got some, I mean, he, he promised he'd have a lot more, he would speak a lot more with the fans, which he hasn't done. And um, I genuinely agree with his, his, his stance on Wenger. Perhaps there could be a case for bringing in a director of football to, in the same way that they have it at Spurs and, and at City, which has worked for both of them this summer. But I'm not really... I read, I read the, what he said, and a lot of it just kind of seemed quite predictable and, and nothing we didn't already know, really. Mm. Yeah. Um, he said, Leo, that um, he's got no intention of selling the club. Um, and to all those people that are basically worried or, you know, sceptical about his, his, his agenda, he said that he's never taken any money out of any of his sports clubs. Although he does reserve the right to do so, um, you know, I know you've been kind of critical of how the the clubs run financially in a financial and economic sense. Um, do you have you softened your stance on it, or do you still believe that the club could be doing more, should be doing more in the transfer market? Okay, we've spent forty two million in the last few hours of the transfer window, but you know, do you think do you think they sh- we should be doing more now. Do you expect them to be doing more? Well, this last year would be more along the lines of what I had, had expected in the past. My only question is, why does it take eight years to get to this point? <laughs> you know, over the last, you know, since the Emirates was built, you know, and I've read through the financial reports, and you can go back and look at the, you know, the the after-tax profits every year, and you add it all up, Arsenal PLC has a net profit of 250 million plus. It's ridiculous. I mean, and I'm not asking for them to spend all of that, but I'm just questioning, you know, why do we have to make on average 17 million pounds a year? You know, what if we would have taken half of that and put it back into the squad each year or foregone some of those sales of players and kept them in the, in the, in the club? You know, where would we maybe be today? You know, if we could have held on to Fabregas or RVP or Clichy or, you know, a couple of those people that we lost over the years and then added to that, mm-hmm. you know, we'd have quite the powerhouse, you would think, on paper at least. Yeah. But, you know, going forward, if we continue the pattern that we had this last summer, I'd be happy. Okay. But, Leo, you know, a few years ago they said they have to make $25 million a year over, I don't know how many years it was. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you remember that, but it was. I think I recall the number being fifteen. But either way, mm-hmm. you know, that's a difference in opinion on my behalf. I guess I don't see the need to have that much in profits, especially if you're not planning on taking it out of the club. Then what's the point? Yeah. Why put that money to sit into a bank account? Yeah. It would be better if you had that money working to make the club bigger and better and stronger instead of just sitting in the bank doing nothing. Yeah. And that's the business mind in me coming out. I guess. Inch. Sorry, mate, that was not enough. That was the question. (laughs) 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 No, that's fine. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a passion of mine. No, it's, uh, I'm just knackered. I'm up all night with Mm. the, with the baby. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I I think, um, I think the comments from from Cronky, um, you know, some of them are interesting. Some of them you expect. I mean, that article is certainly more, um, um, in depth than some of the others mm. where he just gets to repeat the same kinds of things that Gazidis says. Mm. Um, you know, it's interesting that he said, oh, people ask me all the time why I don't pressure Wenger to spend, you know, um, 
and and he says, well, I, Wenger does what he wants, and I, you know, let him make the decisions. So mm. that was an interesting point for me that, you know, he kind of feels like he perhaps should be putting pressure on the manager, mm. but at the same time, it's Wenger. Somebody that doesn't about football. Mm. Jasper, Leo, Inchi, Inchi. How much yeah. uh, him can he have? Hello. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear. Yeah. Yeah, we were losing you there for a minute. Go on. Oh, was, I, was I disappearing? Yeah, just for a moment. Oh fuck it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got you now, though. Yeah. Do you want me to start again and then? Uh, no, I think you were sending the. Um, I think you were sending Skype to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that is the power. of <laughs> all right um yeah okay moving on then um we, we, uh, in the next few weeks we're bringing on um one fella who was made a bit of a uh, made a bit of a notoriety on the arsenal fan tv by um i don't know if you remember oh, yeah. he's not not the the mad ranter but the other guy who was quite articulate uh the asian fella hopefully we're getting him on uh oh, he's great he's doing a study uh, well he's going to write a piece on um whether um, Ivan Gazidis is, is worth the 1.9 million a year he gets, and was he the was he the guy who gave the great soundbite? You get what you pay for unless you're an Arsenal fan. Absolutely him. Is he the guy? <laughs> right. Right. He's brilliant. I liked him. Yeah. So I'm hoping we get him on in the next few weeks so he can tell us about um, the little piece, the piece he's writing about about um, uh, Gazidis. But I just wanted to ask: Do you guys feel that Gazidis is doing a good job? Do you think that he's He's, 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 he should be getting 1.9 million, including bonuses and so on. Cal, let me ask you. I really, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, we, I like a lot of the stuff he does is probably behind the scenes that we don't notice. Um, I mean, and then these new commercial deals that we landed, I mean, are these deals that perhaps we could have gotten with a, a much lesser chief executive on a hell of a lot less money? Maybe. Um, or is you know as one as much as it sounds is what is that the going rate nowadays for for these big guys? I, I would probably say no. He probably isn't worth that kind of money. Mm-hmm. I think without really not, I don't. I've, it's hard to say exactly what he does. I think the commercial deals were very impressive. I think they took us on to a new level. And I think, for, but the thing is, over the past few years, it's always felt like we aren't mac, we weren't maximising our our potential in terms of commercial deals. And I, I feel now we've rectified that to some degree. Um, okay. Um, he certainly he certainly doesn't endear himself to the fans. That's for sure. Anyway, yeah. Inch quickly. Do you think he's doing a good job? Do you think he's worth the money? Um, I, I I kind of agree with Callum in a way. It's never crystal clear what he does, so we don't really know. But um, if he's one of the people that negotiates to get new players in, then he's definitely not worth the money because we're we're doing badly at that. Um, if he's one of the people that does the new commercial deals with uh, Puma and so on, then yeah, he's doing he's doing well. But um, they do have marketing directors for that and an entire marketing department, mm. you know. So uh, how much of it is down to him? I don't know. I don't know what to give him credit for, mm. and equally, I don't know what to blame him for, yeah. you know. Because Dick Law is is also spent, meant to be responsible for negotiating. So yeah. what, which part of it does Gazidis do? I don't know. Yeah. Um, Leo, quickly. Yeah, again, it's, you know, <clears throat> just trying to get an understanding of what exactly he does. It's not as easy as evaluating, a, you know, a new signing because you're seeing him out on the pitch every weekend. You know, what Gazidis is doing, it doesn't even make the light of day most of the time, I, I don't imagine. So it's not as easy as it sounds, but if, you know, he's going off the transfer record, I don't see the value, but then looking at the commercial side, he's been doing a good job, so... Yeah, I just wonder if he's even doing that great a job on the commercial side. I mean, apart from the Puma deal, um, I know we're getting more money for the Emirates deal than, 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 than Madrid at the moment. But, um, the other deals seem to be quite industry standard. Well, we've got, we've got a Gatorade now, have we not, as our new drink sponsor? Yeah. Yep. Which is, um, <laughs> a good thing, I guess. Yeah, but we've got other drink sponsors as well. I mean, when you look at how Man United are quite aggressive, when it comes to negotiating commercial deals, I mean they've got they've got they've got a second sponsor on their training kit. They got I think they got a sponsor for the training ground. They're very very aggressive and bullish when it comes to negotiating deals. I mean they'll drop a sponsor 
if they can find more money elsewhere. They don't, they don't think twice about it. You know, um, I think a lot of these deals that we're getting, I mean, uh, the, 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 the kit deal had to be, I mean, the, sorry, the sponsorship deal had to be better than our last, our last, uh, contracts. That was, it was, it was crap, wasn't it? I mean, it was us being desperate because we needed the money in to finance the building of the stadium. You know, so it had to be, it had to be better. The length of time had to be shorter. That, that 10 year or whatever it was tie-in that we had, you had to bring it down to three or five years. You had to do a midterm deal. So I'll be, I'll be interested to see. I'd be interested to know. I mean, I suppose this guy, Mo Hayden, he won't know for sure what, um, unless he's got some insider knowledge. I don't know. He won't know for sure what, um, Gazidis does and so on and so forth. But it'd be interesting to get an insight. I'm sure he's done his research anyway. Yeah. Okay, time for another edition, or a new edition, should I say, of Behind Enemy Lines, where we go in and get an insight into our next opponents by speaking to one of its prominent fans. This week, we welcome Steve Carroll of Swansea Swans Fanzine. Welcome onto the Guna Randall, Steve. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, you're the uh, editor of uh, SOS, and uh, just wanted to ask, how long have you supported the Swans, and what and what made you start the, the fanzine? Um, I first started going regularly about 1997. I was uh, nine years old then. Um, that's really when my dad first started talking me, uh, taking me down to the best field as it was then, and um, about seasons I get ever since really. So. It's kind of just stuck with me, luckily for me, obviously, um, during my time supporting the clubs. We've, um, it's just been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, the first few years obviously weren't so great. And then in 2003, we had to um, win on the final day against Hull City to make sure we didn't go out of the Football League. But obviously the last 10 years have just been unbelievable, really. And um, you can't really put into words how enjoyable it's been following the club. Um, as with regards to the fanzine, um, I did a journalism degree in university. Um, I had to, um, for my final year, I had to do um, uh, a magazine about a niche market. Right. Um, I thought Swansea City was a niche market, so mm. I did it on that. Um, managed to get a few interviews with some ex-players and that type of thing. Um, and it just really led to me thinking, well, if I can do, if I manage to get these contacts um, to university, then surely it's something that could be done um, full time, if you know what I mean. So we started then. In January 2010, that was our first issue. For that one, I think we had Sam Ricketts as our main interview. Obviously, he's with Wolves now, but back then he was in the Premier League with Bolton. Yeah. Um, it's just gone from there, really. I'm a friend of mine from where I met in university, does the design for it. Um, a lot of my other friends um, contribute to it, but more recently now we're starting to get other contributors. Um, we've got a guy called Keith Haynes who writes for us. Um, he's written a few um, books about um, Swansea City. We've also got... Um, Guy called uh, Matthew Harrison. He writes for. Um, he's got his own website called Lost Boyos, um, where he, he basically, um, when he goes to games, he'll write a diary of the day and that type of thing. Really. Um, so yeah, that's probably the best way of describing the fancy. Cool. I noticed you, like I said, you, you've, you've, or like you've said, you've, you've, you've interviewed quite a few Swansea legends and and a few Welsh legends. Can you tell me what was it like interviewing John Hartson? Because I, I noticed. Um, he said that he regretted he never had the chance to play for Swansea. Yeah, um, John Harton was one of the first ones we did, actually. It wasn't that long um, after um, he'd been diagnosed with cancer. So, obviously, at that time, he still wasn't 100% kind of thing. But um, no, John was a really nice guy. Um, like I say, that was something that he regretted, was not playing for Swansea. But sadly, obviously, during his career, um, Swansea were in the bottom division, so to speak. And obviously, John was a top-flight uh, top player. So... Him to come to Swansea would have just been crazy for his career, but um, there was um, there was a bit of a link with him. Um, about 2007 time, uh, mm. Lee Trundle had been sold for big money to Bristol City, so obviously we were a striker down. Yeah. I think John was at West Brom at the time, and um, I think they did have a conversation with Roberto Martinez, who was the Swansea manager. Yeah. But unfortunately, it never went beyond that, really. Mm. So um, yeah, like I said, it was a regret for him that he never got to um, play for the club, but he had a great career himself. So. I notice um, it's Swansea City have a definitive way of playing. They play football what you what you'd say the the, the proper way. Um, would you say it started with 
um, Roberto Martinez or did it start before then or did was it Roberto Martinez that kind of instilled the sort of philosophy, the template, the blueprint for, for how you guys went on and played? Well, yeah, well, Roberto Martinez, exactly. He is the person really that um, is responsible for the whole way that, that we do now play before that. We had Kenny Jackett. Um, to be fair, Kenny did well for us. He won us one promotion and then he got us within a penalty shootout of another one a year later. So you could never criticise um, the job that he did at the club. But Roberto did change the way that we play really completely. Um, we were more primarily 4-4-2 under jacket, and it was a bit more, should we say, a bit more long ball. Um, but Roberto, with him being a Spaniard, I mean, they all, all believe in passing the ball, making sure you retain possession as much as possible. Yeah. And he brought in a lot of players then. A lot of them were overseas players, a few of them Spanish, mm-hmm. obviously a couple of them still at the club now. And um, it's just it's carried on from there. Obviously, Roberto took us into the championship. And Paulo Souza came in, he was similar, but he was a lot more defensive, he wasn't really a fan's favourite, and no one was really sorry to see the back of him, even mm. though he'd done a reasonable job, because he only scored 40 goals in 46 league games, so as you can imagine, that was uh, a little bit dull at times. Yeah, yeah. Then obviously, um, Brendan Rodgers came in then, and, and he's the one obviously that took us into the Premier League, and then mm. from there he got the local job, and now we've got Loudrop. Um, but yeah, I mean, every manager that's come in has really played their part, and from now on, really, I would say, I can't see it ever changing with regards to the type of manager that we appoint. They're always going to be, it's always based now on um, style of play, really, yeah. rather than anything else. But I think that works really well because then when you're getting a new manager in, they're not looking to make wholesale changes. They're largely happy with the squad. And it goes from there, really. Would you say uh, Michael Laudrup has sort of moved you guys along the evolution line? Then from where from where he picked off from, say uh, Brendan Rodgers, or would you still would you still say it's it's kind of evens in terms of how far you guys have kind of moved on since since Michael's come into the club? Well, Michael was the perfect man to come in, really. Now, if you look at it, because um, Brendan had done obviously a great job to finish to take us up and to finish eleventh. I was absolutely delighted with that. Um, obviously, it was a shame when he left, but um, you would never really take the cup competition seriously, and for a club like Swansea. That's your only chance of real success, really, because you're never going to get into the top four unless someone comes in with massive money. And for me personally, that's not what I'm after because I like the fact that we've got a local own board and we've got a supporters trust member on the board of directors. Mm. So you feel as if you are represented then as a fan. Sure. And also, if uh, with a, a big benefactor, they could just pull the plug at some time, look around to Portsmouth, for example. Yeah. And I'd hate to see that happen to my club. So, um, so you don't... Yeah, Michael Loudrup um, mm-hmm. takes the cup competition seriously, which for us yeah. is great. And obviously last year we won the League Cup, first ever major honour. I mean, that was fantastic for everyone associated with the club. But obviously we're in this European run and mm-hmm. I was in Valencia last week and it was a few of the best days of my life. It was absolutely incredible you, to go abroad, you actually, have a laugh yeah. with all your mates and then obviously somehow we just managed to win 3-0. Well, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a somehow from what I saw. It seemed like you took them to school, really. You really gave them quite a, quite a sound beating, you know, and not many clubs uh, do that over in uh, the Mastaya. You know, so well done to you guys. You touched on, um, you, you really taking pride in the fact that there's a plurality, plurality in ownership, um, of your club. You don't ever look across the South Wales and look to, um, Cardiff and they've, you know, got a new benefactor and they've changed their club colours and whatnot. You never think, oh, you know, wouldn't mind having a bit of that money. Than have that change to red and this guy who can just do whatever the hell he wants with them. The fact they have that massive debt, I wouldn't swap with Cardiff in a million years. I've got to be honest with you. I wouldn't anyway because obviously I'm a Swansea yeah. player. Don't like Cardiff at all. But um, yeah, um, I, I actually feel sorry for the true Cardiff fans. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy has just come in. I hate it. The Swans played in a different colour. I mean, I, I would be fuming about it. I've got to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only good thing for me would be the fact with this fans, you know, be able to go to town and. Uh, really slate them and the pro- my sales would probably go up but um, I'm from a, I don't envy Cardiff at all I mean they've, they've got in the Premier League well done to them but mm-hmm. I'd say they've probably sold their soul to get there and it's not really worth it in my opinion cool good stuff so um, as I was saying Roberto Martinez started off the whole Spanish Armada thing which was carried on to an extent by Brendan Rogers, but um, Michael Laudrup's brought in quite a few um, Spanish players now. Um, do you feel that... Has the, has, with, 
with the influx of Spanish players, has it compromised the development of some of your homegrown players? I know Ben Davis has been the most recent product of your academy. Um, hello? I am. Yeah. Yeah, I know Ben Davis is the most recent product of your academy, but I was wondering, do you feel that um, the, the influx of these Spanish and Spanish-based places has, has sort of could stunt the development or or, or, or kill the development of some of your home-ground players? What do you think? Um, I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. Um, if we're honest, the youth side of uh, Swansea's name hasn't been great for a number of years. Um, obviously, we've had Ben Davis, Joe Allen is the other real stand-up one, but before that I'd be struggling to name many people who'd come through the system and played more about five or six games um, when we had a lot of problems, um, like I say, about ten years ago, um, when Tony Petty came into the club and threatened our existence, the youth team kind of got put on the back burner, mm-hmm. and it's only been a slow, like gradual, putting more mon- money into it the last few years. Yeah. Um, like I said, we have built, recently built a new facility, um, so I'm hopeful that in time it's going to improve. Like I say, really at the moment, the, the youth system isn't in, I wouldn't say it's, it's in the best of, like, states not as good as where we'd like it to be anyway. So, I, I wouldn't say it's really stifling us at the moment. Hopefully long term we will have some Swansea lads come into the team. Um, I'm reasonably confident that will start to happen in the next few years or so. Right. But at the moment, Ben Davis is more of a one-off, I would say. Mm-hmm. The rest of them haven't really been up to scratch. Okay. And how long do you see yourself sort of, Keeping hold of Michael Lajic because you know last was it this summer or last summer there was a lot of talk about him maybe going and taking a Real Madrid job or going somewhere else and then he's committed himself for an, is it another year or so? I mean, how do you think that's going to play out? Do you think how Davis will be able to keep hold of him? Um, it's a tough one with Michael Lajic because he, he's quite an interesting character. Um, but when he's been asked before about managing the big teams, um, his answer's quite often: "I don't really feel that I need to manage a big team because I played for them." I felt as if I lived my dreams as a player. Um, I think he's more motivated actually by the, the type of challenge that Swansea put, um, have given him. Whereas, like, you take a small team and you do some, obviously, you overachieve with them. Um, I don't think he is going to be with us long term. At the start of the summer, I thought he'd probably leave at the end of this season. If I was a gambling man, I'd probably still say that would be the case, purely because he's not the kind of person either that likes to stay in one place for too long. Mm. And he also said when he first got the job, he um, said he was happy to do it for a few years, but he didn't even see himself managing seven, eight years down the line. So I think it could be a case of he leave us, go on another break, and then take um, another job. But the only thing could be for him is that if you look at it, if he does, if he do meet Swansea, then I would have thought he would want to move to a bigger club. If you look at it, a lot of the top teams have already changed his managers recently. If you look mm. at Manchester United, Manchester City and Chelsea, they've all just changed managers. Yeah. Uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have thought he'd want to go back to Spain. So like you say, then if he's going to go Real Madrid, Barcelona, I've just taken on somebody. Valencia are probably the next biggest club. Obviously, we trumped them the other week. Mm-hmm. And they're in the bottom half of the table. So if they don't qualify for Europe, I'd have thought he'd want to go there, for example. So he's better off staying at, it, it, he's better off staying at the Liberty then. He's definitely better off staying here. <laughs> yeah, I would say that though. But, uh, yeah. Okay, well, going on to uh, tomorrow's fixtures, or tomorrow's fixtures, should I say, um, are you confident about tomorrow's game? Um, I think we're always quite confident these days. Um, so we, I, on our day, we can give anybody a game. Obviously, we've beaten Manchester City since we've been in this league. If you go to Valencia and win 3-0, um, there's not many teams that do that, like you said earlier. Um I know Manchester United gave us a little bit of a beating on the first day, but if you watched the game, then you'd understand that probably it wasn't really a fair reflection. It wasn't a fair reflection. Of, Van no. Persie had a big say in the day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think we've got a reasonable chance of a result tomorrow. So if we play well, then I'm always confident that we can get at least a draw. Mm-hmm. Well, you've always, well, from what I, from from when you've come back into the league, you've always, you've always sort of had more possession than us, which is kind of like an anomaly where where Arsenal's concerned. Um, but you do seem to out Arsenal Arsenal um, on the occasions that we've played you. Um, so can I ask, which Arsenal players do you consider to be threats or danger to Swansea? If you look across the team, I mean, there's obviously a lot of good players. Um, as a Swansea fan, you're always going to fear an inform Aaron Ramsey. I mean, he's um, obviously he's a Cardiff, well, he's not from Cardiff, but he's from close to Cardiff. Yeah. He played for them. He always attracts a lot of stick, and obviously at the moment he's been playing very well. Mm-hmm. I just thought if he could get a few goals, he'd be absolutely delighted to, to, to do so against us. Um, Meza Ozil is a world-class player. I was actually quite surprised that you managed to get him. Mm. Um, 
spent a hell of a lot of money on him, but so will we. Money well spent. So will um, we, mate. So will we. Um, and then obviously Olivier Giroud is on great form as well um, at the moment. He's a goal scorer, so they'd probably be the main three. I would say that I'd uh, be wary of tomorrow. Okay, cool. And um, of your own, obviously there's there's Michu, um and Bonnie if he plays. They're the two standout for us. Who else do you think we, we, we should keep an eye on in your team? Um, it's quite interesting because um, I'm not 100% sure um, who he's going to pick. Like you say, Michu will definitely start. He always does, pretty much. Um, I said Bonnie might not start. That means that Michu will go up front. Um, I said, I remember you, you said you quite like Pablo Hernandez in the interview I did with you earlier. Yeah. Um, Pablo's got an injury he's not going to play. So the thought would be Wayne Routledge on the left mm. and Nathan Dyer on the right. Um, so they can all, they can cause problems on their day. Mm. John Joe Shelby's another one that could cause problems, but he could also cause us problems if he wants to the other day. So yeah. he, um, well, the game of his life. Yeah. In the, well, in the right way and the wrong that yeah. day. So they probably, they, they can cause threats. Depends how well they're playing the day, obviously, but the main man, obviously, is Michu. He's, um, he's our main goal threat. And, uh, you're always looking to him if, uh, for the goals in our team. Cool. Alright, final question. We'd like you to predict the first scorer and predict the scoreline. I usually get this wrong. Um, but I think I'll go with Michu. And I think we'll do a home win. We haven't had a home win for, well, we haven't had a home win in the league this season. And towards the end of last season, we didn't get one either. So I think we'll do one. So I'm going to say Michu to score first, and I'm going to say 2-1 Swansea. Sorry. 2-1 <laughs> to the Swans. All right. Great stuff. Steve, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, Likewise. We'll, we'll have to do this again in a return fixture later on in the season, if you're yeah, available. No and um, all the best uh, for the rest of the season, apart from tomorrow, mate. Yep. And same to you. All the best. <laughs> all right. Cheers. Okay, so going on to the Swansea game, can we continue the run? Yeah, I think we can. I mean, Swansea are a good side, but um, I mean, on the, you know, Manchester United tore them apart at their place, um, but they, they do seem to be picking up a bit of momentum. You know, that win in Valencia was was incredible for a club like Swansea, and you know, they 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 did bring in a lot of new players in the summer, so they're starting to settle now. And you know, Michu loves playing against us. I think it's a case of if we turn up and play like we did in the first half against Sunderland, for example, then we'll win. But then again, if we if we play like we did at the beginning of the second half against Sunderland, where we seem to you know consider the penalty and had a bit of a minor collapse, you know, Swansea I think are good enough to really punish us for that. Mm. But you know, on the same at the same time, you know, guys like Ramsey and Flamini and Giroud, Wilshere, they've they all had rest in midweek, which I think is is brilliant. So. You know, I think we we have the we if we play as well as I mean, and we've got this great away run as well. So Swansea could be the team to stop us. But I, I, I um, if I if I had to put my neck out, I'd probably say we'll we'll, we'll, we'll scrape it. I did I did say four 0 win on the forum, but I'm perhaps not quite as confident as I was the other night. But <laughs> okay, um, Leo, what's your thoughts on the game this weekend? My only concern, and I hate starting with the negative, is that. We're going to have another hiccup or two in the defense. I'm hoping that we can kind of tighten things up at the back, cut out the mistakes. And if we can, I can see us getting out with three. Um, <clears throat> shutting down Michu is going to be important. I'd like to see Flamini starting in the midfield mm. to kind of, I know, as I said on Tuesday night, night to uh, kind of try to nullify him a little bit. And then I think if we can do that, you know, disrupt their play a little bit, get them out of their flow and rhythm, then I think we can get out of there with the, with the three points. Each? Mm. Yeah, um, I think um, I agree with the other two. Mitch is the danger man. Um, he likes scoring against us, so I think we'll probably concede. Mm. But the interesting, but we've got enough to win the game, I think. The interesting thing is that um, if we don't concede against Michu, then um, nobody can say that we haven't improved defensively. Because you know when, when certain strikers seem to always score against you, like Drogba, if all of a sudden then you keep them quiet, then you must have improved. And mm. I think that with every game of the season, we've got a little bit tighter at the back. Um, and now Flamini's come in, it's, he's tightened up even more. So mm. I'd, I'd love it if we could keep a clean sheet against them. Um, and if we could, if we could, uh, you know, 
put me too out of action um, in, in, a, in a good way, then um, you know that would be a sign of progress. I think. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm chatting to Steve Carroll at um, Swansea o Swansea. He reckons that um, you know, they've got a few danger men. They've got Michu there, and it's touch and go whether Wil- Wilfred Boney starts. Um, Hernandez is out, so that would leave uh, Routledge and uh, Dyer on the wings. But yeah, definitely, um, if, if whether Michu starts in that attacking the number ten roller up front, we definitely have to keep our eye on him. Uh, I'd like to see, make sure that Kozelny um, doesn't make any mistakes. You know, eradicate, just shepherd him out. Don't don't dive in if you don't need to dive in, and, and definitely have Flamini. If he makes the, if he, if he passes his fitness test. Um, going, um, Cal, what, 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 are there any fitness tests, any injury updates for, for tomorrow? Well, there was, cause Flamini, I think, probably would have started midweek, um, ahead of Hayden in the midfield, but he, he had a shoulder injury that was mentioned on the night. He started on the bench, didn't come on. And there, well, he, so, you know, there hasn't really been, not the club hasn't said anything, mm-hmm. but there is a chance that he might not play. I think he probably will, given the fact that we're kind of having to, having to play players that aren't fully fit um there's there's also ramsey might be out with a thigh injury but i think he'll probably be okay as well mm. um and none of the other players will be back in time rosicki might be back next week uh for the napoli game and Cazorla next weekend but apart from that you know no one else coming back but i, I think from from what i've read i think both family and ramsey will play some part at least but okay cool all right next is the uh, regular weekly feature um, predict the scoreline and the first scorer? So, Leo, first scorer and scoreline, please. Oh boy. Um, well, I got the first goal scorer right last time with Giroud. So, or wait, or did, <coughs> wait, no, I didn't. I got Ram- Ramsey scored first, didn't he? Yeah. You got it right for the game before that. That's what it was. Okay. Uh, so, what to choose? Well, it's going to be one of those two. I'm going to go with uh, 2-0 to us, and since Fly, since uh, Ramsey's kind of a little bit of a question, I'm going to go with Giroud as a first goal scorer. Okay, so Giroud, first goal scorer. Callum? I'm going to go, I think Giroud as well. I think he hasn't scored for a couple of games, has he? So he's due a goal. Um, and uh, 2-1, I think. We're going to win 2-1. Inch. Yeah, I, I think same scoreline. I think we'll win 2-1. And um, I'm going to be negative and say the first goal scorer is Michu. Ooh. Right. And I, I think I'm going to go for... Uh, I'm going to go for 2-0. 2 all. Yeah. We'll drop points. Yeah, I'm going to go for 2 all, And I'm going to go... I'm going to go uh, Michu, first scorer. Come on, G. We've got this amazing amazing away run. This amazing away run. Team spirit's never been higher. It's like a 12th man. And, uh, you know, you're saying a draw? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to temper it, man. I'm going to have to temper it. I'm going to have to. Well, you were wrong on Wednesday. I know, so hopefully... (laughs) (laughs) There should be some sort of forfeit, shouldn't there? If somebody gets the lowest prediction rate of the whole season, I think they have to buy us all at least two rounds. (laughs) I'm I'm bottom anyway. I'm bottom of the table anyway, so um, you shouldn't fear about that, definitely. All right, um... I suppose can we can we do dickhead of the week? Any 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 uh, nominations for dickhead of the week? You know, what? go on. Anybody? Um, I'm gonna say Bennett just for that beard, that beard and hair combination. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably right. Leah, yeah. disagree. I mean, the guy's easy to hate on. <laughs> no, I, I don't mind him. It's just the hair. It's just the hair and beard doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no other obvious candidate, so you've got to give it to the person that looks the stupidest. Yeah. <laughs> Cat Weasel. Oh dear, oh dear. Alright then, fellas. Um, let's wrap it up now. Good to have you back, Inch. Um, um, good, good to hear from you again, Leo. And Callum as well. Good start for a newbie. Should uh, give us some youth and vibrancy and enthusiasm going forward. <laughs> Alright, um, okay. Yeah, he's, he's right. 
cool. All right, then, fellas. So uh, until next week, then. Adios from me. Yeah, see you. Thanks. See you next week. Cool. Cheers, guys. Take care. Thank you.